0: Thank you so much, it's a um, privilege and an honor to be here. Um, like Cri- um, Pastor Christie said, yes, I am from Birmingham, England. This is my real voice. I do get asked that quite a bit, you'd be surprised. But um, yes, yeah, so I'm here as a missionary to the hip-hop culture, and it's just a privilege and an honor to be here at City Life again to um, bring the Word of God um, to you all. So I wasn't raised in church at all. I came to Christ when I was 17 years old, and um, I fell in love with the Word of God. I fell in love with Jesus, and I started preaching that um, very same year. So I've been preaching for the past 10 years. But before that, and ever since I was a little girl, my first love was always science. I am really a scientist at heart. I was always very well gifted in it, naturally gifted in science from a very young age. My first ever official job was in a science museum, and my co-workers had master's degrees in science, um, and I was doing the same job as them. My boss, um, he is now the head of the Royal School of Surgeons back in London. And I was very, yes, he's doing great things. And I was very close with him and I was always asking asking questions, scientific questions about the world and about everything around me. And so I was able to learn a lot on the job. And then I've realized that in church sometimes we make a huge separation between God and science, where I believe they can really go hand in hand. I like to say to people, science gives a lot of the how when God gives a lot of the why, right? And he gives a bigger purpose to the natural things we see in life. But what God has done is he's allowed my ability to understand science um, and it's helped me with my communication of the gospel. And it's helped me understand it. It's helped me be able to break it down and apply it to real life. And um, that's just how um, the Lord uses me to communicate. So today, we are going to be focused on a scientific principle to apply to our spiritual lives. Amen? I just want to know that you're with me. So in science, there is something called the seven processes of life and it helps determine whether something is a living thing so when we was in um, what you would call elementary school I would call it primary school there was an acronym called Mrs. Nerg and so we would see this old lady and um, <laughs> she would help us remember what the seven life processes are so we're going to be using those seven life processes which are movement respiration sensitivity, nutrition, excretion, reproduction, and growth. And we are going to apply those to our spiritual life, and we are going to check our spiritual pulses, okay? Because what I've found is that in church and in our Christian life, there's ups and downs, there's big peaks, and there's very low valleys. I noticed that in the first couple of years of somebody's Christian life, they tend to be on real fire. They're pumped up. They want to go and spread the gospel. They have um, a fire in their belly. And something happens along the way where life and Christianity starts to become very mundane and very habitual. And instead of being on fire for God, a lot of the times what happens is that we just end up being Sunday Christians, where the bulk of our Christianity is just going to church on a Sunday. And then I have to think, when we say that Jesus is alive and we are alive in him, are we really? So that's what we're going to be testing today. And the word tells us of the importance of examining ourselves. And we can find that in 2 Corinthians, and it's 13, um, chapter 13, verse 5. And it says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. So that's just to point out the importance of examining ourselves. And if you are a note taker, I would take out your notes and and start making notes because this is going to be a list of things that we're going to use and you can always use to examine where you are in your Christian work. So the first life process is movement. If you are alive in Christ, there should be some movement happening in your life. And I've split this into two ways, obedience and works. Are you obedient when you hear the Lord talk to you? Some of us are only obedient if God is saying something that we're already in favor of. Amen? If it sounds like something, if you were thinking, I was going in that direction anyway, so let me continue when God confirms it. But how many of you are in a situation right now where you hear the Lord telling you to do something But out of your disobedience, you are refusing to move on it. Because it may sound scary. It may sound foreign to you. Maybe the Lord is telling you to move out of the city, move out of the state, quit your job and start something new. How many of us know that the Lord is talking to you, but you are refusing to move? Are you being disobedient? And what about our works? Now, we cannot work our way into being saved. But there is proof of your faith in your works. The Bible says in, um, the Lord says, Luke 11, verse 28, it says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's James 1, 22. And then we know James 2, 18 to 20 says, but some will, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? What are you doing? Are you moving? If we just say that we have faith and that we believe there is one God, that is the same level of faith as the demons. But to prove and to show our faith, we show that with our works. What are you doing? God has a purpose for each of us. And if we are alive in him, we will be doing something to show that. You know, um, even when we are praying for something some of us pray and then that's all we do we don't move on what we are praying for but in in Luke chapter 11 verse 9 it says to you says so I say to you ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock the door and it will be opened some of us are waiting for open doors without the act of of moving to get up and knock the door. We cannot expect expect open doors without the act of knocking. Even in seeking the Lord, it requires us to move. Do you believe that? Mm-hmm. To seek, to knock is all action words. Is there action behind your faith? And if not, you have to ask yourself, Are you truly alive in Christ? Or is the only movement your faith shows is getting up in the morning and coming to church? While that's good, it's not enough when we have a kingdom to build. Amen? Okay, so next, the life process is respiration. Now, respiration, it can be simply put as the act of breathing. But when we breathe, there is a lot more going on that we probably ever acknowledge. When we breathe, we are breathing out carbon dioxide, which is toxic to our bodies if it's kept in. We breathe out carbon dioxide, the plants take in carbon dioxide and they produce oxygen, which we then breathe in. So there is a gaseous exchange between the CO2, carbon dioxide, and the oxygen between us and the plants and the trees. So how can we apply this to our spiritual walk? When we came to Christ, there was a divine exchange. There was an exchange between us and the Lord. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what did this divine exchange look like? Jesus was punished so that we could be forgiven, was wounded so that we could be healed, was made sin with our sins so that we could be made righteous in his righteousness. He tasted death so that we could share life. He was made a curse so that we could receive his blessing. He was made our poverty so that we could share in his abundance. He bore our shame so that we could share in his glory. He endured rejection so that we could have acceptance with the Father. And he was our old person put to death so that we could be a new person in Christ. When Christ went to the cross, there was a divine exchange. Do you acknowledge it? Have you acknowledged that in your life? Has that exchange taken place for you has it been made real in your life can you acknowledge the divine exchange next is sensitivity now in science we are told that we have five senses which are our sight hearing smell taste and touch so we're going to see if we can do all of these things to see if we are alive. So first of all, our sight. Can you see when God is moving in your life? Can you look and see even out at nature and the beauty of creation and say, you know, there is a God. Can you see where God has taken you out of a situation that in your own strength, you would still be stuck there and say, that's where God moved are you able to see God? Hearing. Can you hear God? Now, when I first came to Christ, I always used to hear people say, and the Lord said to me, and thus said the Lord, and I would be so jealous. I'd be like, why does the Lord not speak to me? And then I realized that I had not yet figured out how the Lord speaks to me. Now, one of the most important things you can do in your Christian life is work out how the Lord speaks to you as an individual. It's going to be so hard to be alive in Christ if we do not know his voice. John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice I, and I know them and they follow me. How are we going to follow the Lord and not know his voice? And it may sound different to each individual you may have dreams you may hear an audible voice you may feel something but it's so important for you to work out and then not only Once you recognize his voice, we need to make sure that we are making time and space to hear God and to listen to God. Because what often happens is we talk about prayer and what prayer looks like in most of our lives is getting down on our knees, bowing our heads, closing our eyes and reeling off a list of commands for the Lord to do in our lives. We treat God a lot more like a genie than our Lord. And what we don't do is have a conversation where we are also receiving his response. We leave no time to hear the Lord respond most of the time. And how rude is that? If we say that prayer is a conversation, imagine being in a conversation with somebody that just talks at you, then gets up and leaves. They don't stay to wait for your response. And we treat God like that so often. So hearing, can you hear God? Next is smell. And for the longest time, I was thinking, how am I going to apply this to anything? Because can you smell God? I don't, I don't know if God has a smell. But the Lord told me, and he reminded me, that a lot of times, you often smell something before you even see it or feel it. For example, have you ever been outside and can smell that it's about to rain? You know, that smell that's in the air, it's like it's going to rain. And before you see the rain, before you feel the rain, you can smell it. Or burning. A lot of the time you can smell something burning before you actually see the fire or feel the warmth of the fire. So the Lord said to me, ask my people, how is their discernment? Because like the nose is like the warning sense, that discernment which is in you, which it comes from the Holy Spirit, will warn you of things that are about to come before they happen. So if you are alive in Christ, you should have a level of discernment where you can determine that something is coming, something is about to happen, something, I'm about to be shown something, I'm about to feel something. Can you smell in the Spirit? Can you determine whether something smells good? You know, when somebody is cooking and it smells good, and you know, this is about to be a really good meal. Do you have the discernment to detect when something is coming and whether it's going to be good or whether it's going to be a bad thing? How is your discernment? Next is touch. Do you have the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit? can you feel God? Do you know what the presence of God feels like? Some people have physical feelings when it comes to the presence of God being in the room. Some people get chills, their hair stand up. For me, my hands will tingle and I know that I have to touch somebody. But are you aware of God's Holy Spirit? Are you sensitive to him? If we are dead, spiritually this is going to be hard so it's always important to check if you can feel the presence of the lord taste is a very quick and simple one have you tasted and seen that the lord is good have you got close enough to god to recognize his goodness to taste his goodness and to want to feast more on him have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good and so good that you want to tell other people about him? So can you see, touch, taste, smell, and hear God? But then they also say in science that, you know, these are the five main senses that people always talk about. But there's actually a sixth sense that all living things should have. And it's spelled, it's pronounced, proprioception. Now, proprioception is the sense that lets us perceive the location, movement, and actions of parts of the body. So it's being aware that my hand is raised, my leg is raised, now it's down. It's a self-awareness of where you are in the world, where you are in space and time. If we are alive in Christ, We should be able to tell where on our journey we are. We should be able to tell, I'm growing in this area or I'm lacking in this area. Maybe I need to fast. Maybe I need to pray more. Maybe I need to read my word more. Proprioception. Can you perceive where in your Christian walk you are currently? Are you able to perceive whether you are on the right path? whether you are following in the right direction. It's very important. So the next life process is nutrition. What are you consuming? And this one, again, I've split into two, and it's physical and spiritual. Because what I think often happens is that we get into church and then we over-spiritualize absolutely everything that we forget that the Lord has also made us a physical body. And what happens is that we neglect to treat our physical body well. We forget to be good stewards over our physical body. So when I say nutrition, what are you eating? I also mean physically as well as spiritually. Our bodies are meant to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we don't treat them as such. Can you imagine if somebody came into this room and dumped trash all over the altar and all over the sanctuary, you would be outraged. You would say, how dare somebody treat the house of the Lord like that? So why then do we trash the temple of the Holy Spirit with the things we are putting inside of our body? We do it so often. Eating things that we know are not good for us that don't agree with us, that make us unhealthy, and we don't think about the spiritual impact of that. If God is going to work through you, you have to be healthy in order to go and move like we spoke about in the beginning. How will we do that if we don't take care and take good stewardship over the body that h- we have been given? What are you eating physically and spiritually? What are you consuming Through your eyes, through your ears. What are you watching? What are you listening to? How is your spiritual diet? Are you only eating? You know, we always pray for the daily bread. But are you eating the daily bread daily? Are you consuming the word of God, the things of God? Or do you fast six days a week and only eat on a Sunday? Many people, their spiritual consumption comes only from the pulpit on a Sunday morning and then we blame our pastors that the church is not feeding us. If you only eat on a Sunday, you are going to starve. And many of you are spiritually starved because you are not feeding yourself through the week. If we are living things, if we are alive in Christ, we will be consuming the things of God to keep us alive. Amen? And after nutrition, oh, sorry, I have to say this. And when we think about consuming the word of God, a lot of us just read and leave it there. But if we just read, that's like just putting the food in your mouth. If we do not study, we are not chewing. And if we are not meditating on what we have learned then we are not digesting. The only way you get the nutrition is not just by putting the food in your mouth alone, but it has to be broken down into um, digestible pieces and you have to digest it and your body has to take in the nutrients. We are not doing that if we just read and it comes it through your eyes, then out your mind. We have to spend time in God's word meditating on God's word, getting it from your mind to your heart. Amen? Amen. And once you eat, once nutrition happens, is excretion. Now, excretion, put politely, is getting rid of waste. The more you consume the good things of God, the more efficiently your body will start to excrete the things that are not of him. I don't know if any of you have ever changed your physical diet and you start to eat more healthily, your excretion process is a lot more regular, amen, right? You're able to get, of, get rid of the waste and the toxins in your body a lot more efficiently. So then why do we think that would not be the same spiritually? The more that we consume the word of God, the things of God, and the more it produces in us the fruit of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the more we, can, we produce those things, there's less room for the things that are not of God, and we start to excrete those things, which are things like idolatry, hatred, drunkenness, envy, fornication, lust, sexual immorality. Some of us, as we are checking our pulse and we're realizing already, wait, maybe I'm not alive, maybe I am dead. And some of us are dead because we are dead in our sin. And we are stuck there because we are relying on our own flesh and our own understanding to get rid of these things and not counteracting these things by consuming the things of God. So once your nutrition is corrected, your excretion process should be corrected too. Next is reproduction. We should be producing and reproducing because we serve a multiplying God. We serve a reproducing God and we are made in his image. When God gives you something... He's expecting you to do something with it that will multiply it. We know that God multiplies with the loaves and the fish. So many examples in scripture, we see that we serve a multiplying God. But what have you done with what God has given you? Your gifts, your talents, your finances. How many of you have buried them instead of planted them? And are not producing anything? How many of you can look at your life and say, I am not productive at all? Could it be that you are not alive in Christ and therefore are unable to reproduce? We should be reproducing disciples. The Great Commission, then Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Many Christians have never made a disciple in their life. If you are alive in Christ, you should be making disciples. Many of us, the only times we talk about Christ is with our fellow brothers and sisters at church, where there's a whole world out there dying and going to hell every day because us Christians are keeping our mouths shut. Are we reproducing disciples? So we have movement. Are you moving? Respiration. Have you acknowledged the divine exchange? Sensitivity. Can you see, feel, hear, smell, taste God? Reproduction. Are you reproducing? Nutrition, excretion. And last but not least is growth. Any living thing should be growing. You should be growing in your maturity, in your depth, in your relationship with God, in the knowledge of yourself, the knowledge of God. Some of us came to Christ and has stayed at that same level the whole time because it's comfortable. We serve a very big God, a very deep God, a God with many mis- mysteries. And we limit God and think that we know it all already. There's always more to know about God. So are you growing? If you are alive in Christ, you should be growing. Now, there may be one or more of more things on that list that you think, I'm not doing that. And if that's you and you feel like, maybe my pul- my pulse is not as strong as I thought it would be, would you be brave enough to raise your hand and say... Maybe I'm a little dead in my walk. I'm going to pray for us quickly. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we're able to examine ourselves. We thank you that you are a true and living God, and we just pray, Lord, that you help us to become alive in you. Point out to us, Lord, the areas of growth that we need, We repent for not moving, for not acknowledging the divine exchange, for not being sensitive to you, for not eating correctly, both spiritually and physically, for not getting rid of waste in our life, for not reproducing, for not being productive with what you have given us and not reproducing disciples. And for not growing. We pray, Lord, that you help us change all of these things. And as your word says, as your word says in John 6, 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. So Holy Spirit, in this moment, we're asking that you fall on us afresh and you help us become alive in you because in our flesh, we are dead. We repent. We thank you. We praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.